be with you all. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For the next few minutes, I'd like to preach to you on uh, the thought, what do you need? What do you need? If we could just pray. Lord, God, we thank you for the wonderful, for your wonderful presence in this place here tonight. God, we feel you in this place. We feel your presence already ministering to needs here, even now during the worship, during the praise, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here. Lord, I pray that you would bless the rest of this service, oh God. I pray that your word would go forth, oh Lord, and that it would meet the needs of the people that are here today, oh God. That our hearts would be open to receive from your word, Lord Jesus, that we not let it go void but that we would respond to your word here tonight. I pray, O Lord, that you would speak to your people. I pray that you use me, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. What do you need? One of the first rules of budgeting is figuring out your needs versus your wants. And people often find themselves in debt because they cannot decipher the difference between what they want and what they need. Often, uh, we're able through much study and, and debate to convince ourselves that a want is actually, in fact, a need. And I'll give you a personal example. It's uh, sitting on my wrist here, uh, the Apple Watch. I remember when it first came out, I had a look at it. I saw the video and I said, wow, that's kind of cool, but kind of useless because you you can't really use it without the phone. But then the more I looked at it and the more I looked at the specs and looked at, at what I might possibly use it for, then I started to convince myself that this was a need. I had to have it. This is something that needed to be on my wrist. It was a want that I tried to turn into a need through much study and much uh, uh, research. Then I presented my case to, to my wife, and, and she generously got it from me from her birthday a few years back. But a want is is defined as something you desire to possess or something you wish for. But a need is something you require because it it is either necessary or very important. So the difference really boils down to those two words, desire and require. Desire and require. Western society has created an entire industry of people whose sole responsibility in the workplace is to convince you that that something that you want is actually something that you need. It's called advertising. (laughs) And uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever been watching 
a, a footy game, minding your own business, and then a commercial comes on, and, and it's for that beautiful place we like to call McDonald's, and it's showing the, the, the latest burger, and, and they show about 14 different angles of this burger, and it shows you how juicy the beef is and how salty the fries are, and you're looking at this, and this is glorious. And, and, and after, after a few seconds of watching this, you're like, oh, wow, I'm hungry. And then you find yourself fumbling for your keys and driving and going to McDonald's and getting that burger they didn't necessarily need. And then it comes in the packaging and it's smushed and doesn't look good. But <laughs> that's an aside. But advertising is, is something that is, is used to try and convince us that something that we want is actually something that we need. It, it has become a science. They put a lot of time, money, and research into figuring out how to best market a product. And it is increasingly more subversive. There is advertising in movies and music videos, sports, and, and the latest major platform is social media. You may not necessarily, necessarily notice it, but you know, people are paid on social media to market products through their photos and, and posts. Celebrities are paid thousands of dollars to, to take photos wearing glasses or a shirt or, or a drink trying to market their products to young people. And they do this on sites like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Their goal is to convince you that something you desire is really something that you need. It's not just something you want, but it is something you need. But what is it really, truly, that you require here this evening? What is it that you really, really need? What is it that you can't live without? Getting back to our opening text in Matthew, we see here that that Jesus called a man by the name of Matthew to be his disciple. This is the same Matthew that is attributed as being the author of the first book of the New Testament. And, and this was scandalous. Jesus calling him to be a disciple. This was a scandal. And why was that? It was because Matthew just so happened to be a tax collector. Now, I hope nobody here works for ATO. But even if you did, you know, we wouldn't have a contempt for the ATO in, in, in today's society. Someone who is a tax collector is, is not seen as a horrible person. They're, they're a member of society and they're working a job. And, and I would venture to say that even though that is the case, we're not overly keen to hand over too much of our money uh, to the tax department, to the Australian government, especially if we know it's being wasted. Amen. <laughs> but but the, different, the difference lies in the fact that, that Israel... Um, the, the taxes that were being collected, it wasn't for uh, the Israelites. It wasn't going back to look after the Israelites. But these were taxes that were going to the Roman, ter- uh, to the Roman government because uh, Israel was a Roman territory. They were a conquered people, and they were being heavily taxed to fund the projects of Rome, the things that were not going on in their own, in their own towns, in their own city. The money wasn't being spent on infrastructure. It wasn't being spent in the areas that would benefit um, the Israelites. And so it follows that if a tax collector was a Jew, then that tax collector who was Jewish was working for the Romans. He was working for those who had the Jews in occupation. And not only did they work for the enemy, but they would often collect more than what they needed um, because they were able to just sort of take the extra money and, and put it in their own pockets. They were building their own wealth on the misfortunes of their own people. And, and they were absolutely despised. Tax collectors were absolutely despised by the Jewish people. 
So what is Jesus doing calling a person like that to be his disciple? What is Jesus doing talking to Matthew and asking him to follow him and be his disciple? You see, Jesus is saying, I don't care who you are. I don't care uh, uh, where you've been or what you've done. I don't care how society views you. I don't even care how, view, who you, how you view yourself. I came for you. Amen. I love you and I have a place for you in my kingdom. I have a place for you. Follow me. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter who you are. You have a place at my table and, and, and I would ask that you would follow me. And that same call is going out to you tonight. Amen. You can decide to follow Jesus this evening. You can decide to be a follower of Jesus here tonight. You can begin a new life in Christ here this evening. You don't have to leave this place the same, like I talked about this morning. You don't have to leave this place the same, but you can leave this place changed. You can become a follower of Jesus Christ. You can be his disciple. Amen. That call is going out to you here this evening. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but it all depends on how you respond to that word. It all depends on how you respond to the call of Jesus on your life. You see, Matthew, he instantly responded to Jesus's call. He instantly decided that he was going to follow Jesus. And it was because he recognized that he needed Jesus. He needed Jesus. Amen. And he left everything to follow him. You see, Matthew realized that this was something, not that he wanted, but this was something that he needed. Jesus wasn't somebody that he wanted to follow, but Jesus was someone that he needed to follow. I, 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 I need to clarify, he, he, he did want to follow Jesus, yes, but it wasn't just something that he desired in his heart, but this was something that he realized he needed to do. Amen. And that is what made all the difference. Too often... We in Western society, we, we treat Jesus as an add-on. We treat Jesus as an extra. We are so independent that we struggle to recognize our need for him. You hear things like this, well, when I get myself together, I'll follow Jesus. Or when I'm in a better place, then I will follow after him. I, I'm just not ready yet. I, I'm just not, I just haven't gotten my life together yet. When, when that happens, then I will become a Christian. Then I will follow after Jesus. But, but we're missing the point. We're missing the point. You need Jesus to get yourself. You need Jesus to get your life back together. You need Jesus to be in a better place. You need Jesus to be ready to be a Christian. Hallelujah. We need Jesus today. Not tomorrow, but today. Right now, we need Jesus. Amen. The time is now. Stop putting it off, but decide here and now that you need Jesus. This isn't just a, 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 a thing of religion. This isn't just a place that you go on a Sunday, but, but you need Jesus every day following after him. Amen. Being his disciple. You see, Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't come to call those who think they have everything together, but I came to call sinners unto repentance. Amen. That means that you can start over today. That means that Jesus is calling you today. Amen. That means that Jesus is calling you today. And in Acts chapter 2, I talked about it this morning. 
the Apostle Peter talked about how you can begin again, how you can have a new life in Christ. Amen. And you can repent of your sins here today. You can make a decision that you are going to follow after Jesus with your whole heart, that you're not going to just have him as an add on. But this is something that you are committing yourself to. You are turning and following after Jesus. And then you can decide to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Your sins are washed away. You become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Hallelujah. That can happen for you tonight. That can happen for you today. Hallelujah. It is calling out to him and saying, I can't do this by myself. I need you, Jesus. I need your help. It's not joining a church, but it is following Jesus, is entering into a relationship with him. And you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit tonight. It's not something that ended in, back in the old days, but it can happen here today. Hallelujah. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit here this evening. Hallelujah. The promise is to you, to your children, to all that are far off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be born again this evening. Today is your day to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. But you have to decide for yourself that you need him. You have to decide for yourself. You can't have your parents do it for you. You can't have your boyfriend or your girlfriend do it for you. You can't have your friend do it for you. But you must make that decision for yourself that you need him. Amen. That you need him to change you. That you need him to forgive you. That you need him to help put your life back together. Amen. You need him. Amen. After Jesus called Matthew to follow him, he and his disciples went over to Matthew's house and and had a meal with him and some of his friends. And and obviously Matthew's friends would have been quite similar to Matthew. So they weren't the, the greatest people. They weren't the most upstanding people. And the Bible puts it quite bluntly that they were tax collectors and sinners. These weren't the greatest people of society. And the first point that I want to make is this, is that when Jesus changes us, we are going to want to tell everyone about it. Like I talked about this morning, when hope springs up in our lives, we are going to want to tell other people about it. We are going to want to share the good news. Amen. Hallelujah. This gospel was not meant to be kept to ourselves. It wasn't meant to be for just us three and no more, but it was meant to be shared. It was meant to be shouted on the rooftops. Hallelujah. That's why it's called the good news. Imagine if there was a news station that, that had a, a, a huge breaking story and they decided that they weren't going to share it. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Because they're a news station. It is news. That is what they're in the business of. And that's, that's, that's what we are. We're in the business of sharing the gospel. We are in the business of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come and that he has come to save and he has come to redeem, that we can have new life in Jesus. It is news, and news must be shared. Amen. We must share it. Now, when, when the Pharisees, the, the religious people of the day, when they saw Jesus eating with such company, they were incensed. They were upset. You see, the Pharisees were the ones that expected all the rules to be followed. They had no time for grace. You see, scriptures were black and white to them. And they asked Jesus' disciples why he would eat with such people. And when Jesus heard that, he said, It is not those who are healthy that need a physician, but those who are sick. It is not those who are healthy that need a physician, but those who are sick. And then he finished by saying this. He said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to 
repentance. Amen. It's not the healthy that needs the physician. It is those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And when I first read that, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, they're sinners. So, of course, Jesus would be coming for them. He would be coming uh, to save them, to help them. And, and, of course, sinners need to repent. But the righteous don't necessarily need to because they're righteous. They're living uh, uh, righteously and they're not sinners. But then I read it again and I saw what Jesus was really trying to say. Listen to what the Apostle Paul in Romans wrote in Romans chapter three, starting at verse nine. He says this. What then are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. You see, Paul is quoting from Psalm 14, which says this. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then Paul continues this thought in verse 23 of Romans chapter 3. And he says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you see it now? We are all sinners. We are all sinners. Amen. None of us are righteous on our own account. It doesn't matter if we've been in the church for 20 years, for 30 years, for five minutes. We are all sinners. Amen. And Paul goes on to explain that the only way that we can be righteous is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can be righteous is through him. When we are born again, we trade our unrighteousness. We trade our sin. We trade our mistakes for his righteousness. Amen. We trade our unrighteousness, our sin, our shortcomings, and we trade it for his righteousness. Hallelujah. The problem with the religious people was, was that they thought that they were righteous. So they didn't need Jesus. They thought that they were righteous, that they were doing everything good, that they were following the rules. They were doing things the right way, so they didn't necessarily need Jesus. They thought that they were doing okay, that there was no reason really to, to, to change the way that they were living. You see, they were following the law, and, and they weren't sinning her. And if they did, they were offering sacrifices, so they thought that they were okay. They thought that they were spiritually healthy, and that they were in no need of a physician. You see, I don't want to belabor the point, but for the sick person to receive treatment, Brother Takina, for the sick person to receive treatment from the physician, she must first recognize that she is indeed sick and needs the physician. In order for someone to receive care, they must acknowledge the fact that they do need care. The point is, is that we can become so religious we can become so religious in, in our day-to-day -day lives and in our week-to-week -week serving Jesus that we forget that we still are sick, that we still are in need of Jesus. Hallelujah. We never stop needing Jesus. We never stop needing Him. I need Jesus' love and mercy as much today as the day that I was born again of the, of the water and of the Spirit. We need Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. There's an old hymn that we sing and it says, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide or life is vain. I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. We need Jesus today. We need him every hour. We need him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how long we've been in the church. It doesn't matter how many Sunday services we've been to, how many conferences we've gone to. We still need him today. We still need him tomorrow. We still need him every day, every day. Hallelujah. 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 We can't make it without him. We can't make it without prayer. We can't make it without fasting. We can't make it without Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need him every day, every hour. We need him. Hallelujah. We can't make it without him. In Exodus, Moses asked the Lord what his name was. And and God replied, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And when God revealed his name to someone, he he was entering into a covenant relationship with them. And and a covenant is is just an agreement between uh, two parties and And God's giving us the conditions of this agreement. He's saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. So the I am takes on more meaning in in regards to the covenant. Amen. And so what it is is meaning is that I will be what you need me to be. I am that I am. I will be what you need me to be. So if you're struggling with depression here today, he's a counselor. Amen. Amen. If you are sick or in pain, he is a healer. If your soul is thirsty, he is the living water that we talked about this morning. If you are bound by sin, he is a deliverer. If you've got more month than money, then he can be a provider for you. If you feel alone, he is a friend to the friendless. Hallelujah. If fear has gripped your heart, then he is the prince of peace in your situation. He is what you need him to be. Hallelujah. We need Jesus today. It doesn't matter how long you served him. You need him today. We can't do this by ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need him. We need him. We need him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, problems arise when we forget how much we need Jesus. Problems in the church, problems in our family, problems in our own lives, they they tend to crop up when we forget how much we need Jesus. We begin to lose focus on what God is trying to do in us and, and we turn our attention to others. Much like the Pharisees did without really realizing it. You see, the Pharisees didn't want to be bad people. They wanted to be good people. But they had become so religious that, that they, they, they stopped looking at, at how they could change and how they could be better and they started focusing on other people and and picking on them the pharisees thought that they were doing everything right that the way that they lived and treated others was in accordance to god's word you see paul wrote about this exact problem when he reminded titus to tell the people in his church to be gentle and show true humility to everyone and then he explains why they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone He says this, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled 
and became slaves to our own lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done. It's not because of what we did. It's not because we are righteous, but because of His mercy. Because of His mercy, He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We didn't do anything to deserve, to deserve His love and mercy. We didn't do anything to deserve having our sins washed away. We didn't do anything to deserve being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not because of things that we have done, but it is because of His mercy. It is because of His grace, hallelujah, that we have been, that we have been saved. It is only because of His mercy that we can be sustained. It is only through putting our faith and our trust in Him every day that we can pursue after righteousness, hallelujah. We must put our trust in Him every day. Every day, every day, it is through His grace and through His mercy that we are saved. Not because we are righteous, not because we're doing the right things. Yes, we should do the right things, amen. But it's not because of that we are saved. We are saved through His grace and through His mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we need to keep that in mind when we think about others. The Apostle Paul, he never never lost sight of the fact that he needed God. He asked the Lord three times to get rid of a thorn in the flesh, something that was causing him to be weak, something that was making him vulnerable. And listen to what God said to the Apostle Paul. He said this, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Amen. And that is why Paul was able later to say, When I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, then am I strong. You see, our greatest strength lies in our understanding on how much we need Jesus. Hallelujah. We, it is when we are weak, it is when we realize how much we need Jesus that we can find the strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't do this on your own. You can never be good enough or smart enough or strong enough. You need Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need Jesus here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need Jesus every day, every hour. We need Him. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't be good enough. We can't be pretty enough. We need Him. We need Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I hurry to a close, if I could uh, please get the musicians to come. Hallelujah. In the first few chapters of Revelation, the, the letters to the seven churches are recorded in and in the letter to the church in Laodicea, the Lord says this in, in Revelations. In the letter to the church of Laodicea, the Lord says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. And why did he say this? He follows it up by saying, because you say... I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I'm not speaking a harsh word here this evening, but, but the Laodiceans became so distracted by their wealth. 
They became so distracted by their wealthy city. If you study out Laodicea, you will see that it was quite a wealthy city. And these people, the church was, was very comfortable in their lifestyle. And, and, and it's very similar to us in Australia. We, we are very wealthy and we are very comfortable. And, it, and we can become distracted by the wealth that we live in. And we can be, become distracted by our comfort, comfortable lifestyle that we forget how much we need God. They had forgotten how much they needed God. They were so caught up in the here and now that they lost track of what, of who really provided for all their needs. They had stopped getting up early and spending time with the Lord in prayer. They, they looked to their careers to take care of their needs. They, they only occasionally flipped through their Bibles. And when they were sick, they, they, they only put their hope in doctors. They rarely sang songs of praise to God throughout the week. Their, their life was so full of stuff. Their life was so full of comforts that God began to disappear and they didn't even recognize it. They had relegated their relationship with Jesus to just religion. They no longer needed God. But, you, but do you know what the amazing thing is? Just two verses after that word was given to that church. After God rebuked the, the church in Laodicea, he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It doesn't matter how distracted we get. It doesn't matter how full our lives get. Our Savior is standing at the door. And he's knocking and he's saying, hey, hey, I'm still here. You still need me. You still need me. If you come to the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. I'll spend some time with you. You see, Jesus had not given up on that church. Jesus had not given up on Laodicea. He was standing at the door. He was standing at the door knocking, ready to forgive, ready to extend, hallelujah, his love and his mercy to that church. He wasn't standing there accounting for their sins, making up a list of, of why they couldn't serve him. He wasn't making a list of their sins and their mistakes, but he was standing at the door and knocking and say, come to me, come to me, open the door and I will come in and meet with you. Hallelujah. I am ready to forgive. I am ready to wrap you in my arms. I am ready to be with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus is knocking on your heart's door this evening. Jesus is knocking on the, on the door of your heart here tonight, waiting on you to let him in. Hallelujah. You may have never let him in before. It may be your first time in a Pentecostal service, or, or maybe it's been a while since you've truly opened that door to him, and you've, some, you've kind of allowed life to take over, and you've forgotten how much you needed him. He is here this evening. Hallelujah. Jesus is here this evening, and if you don't let him in today, I want to remind you that he will be there tomorrow. Hallelujah. And the next day, and the next day, knocking on that door, waiting for you to open up your heart to him once again, allowing him to work in you and through you. That is how much Jesus loves you. That is how amazing his love is here tonight, that he cares so much for us, that even when we crowd him out, even when our lives get so full of things that we forget how much we need him, he is still there ready and waiting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is how much he cares about you here this evening. If you could be upstanding as I come to a close. Thank you for your attention here.
this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. He stands at the door and knocks, waiting for you to let him in here this evening. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is a message that I believe requires a response here tonight, but it is also something that is meant to go with you. To remind you each day that I need Jesus. To not go through day after day after day without prayer and spending time with God, forgetting that you need to be reliant on Him and trusting in Him and putting your hope in Him. Hallelujah. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word here tonight, though. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. In the time of need. Are you in need here tonight? Is this something that you require? Is Jesus something that you require? Or is he just something that you want? Is he something that you require? Is he something that you need? Or is he just something that you want? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you need to start over here tonight? Do you need to recommit your life to Christ? Do you need deliverance here this evening? Maybe you need the physician here. He is the I am that 